Jamie. And I'm Hannah. Welcome to Vegetation, Meditation in Community. We are children of immigrants and moms who have spent a lot of time feeling that we are neither aquí, neither allá, that we are not from here or there. We've lived the philosophies of our ancestors our whole lives, but we're only recently figuring out that we've been doing that. During the pandemic, we both were trying to include meditation in our everyday lives, but wanted a more rich experience that would keep us coming back to it. So we started doing it together and it felt so powerful and so accessible for us that we felt like everyone should have it. So now we manifest a world where we all feel empowered to reconnect with ourselves and the inheritance of wisdom, strength, and medicine passed to us by our ancestral web. We share our journey with the hope that others will be inspired to experience the healing alongside us. Let's build a more sustainable, regenerative path together. A path that lives on the breath of our everyday lives. Not something that has to be added in or fixed. Something that we just need to notice is already happening. Let's come back to our wholeness. Together. Welcome to series two of Vegetation, Meditation and Community. We are so glad you are here. We are beyond grateful for the love and support we have received from our digital village since our launch and are so excited to share episode one of our new series, Origin Stories. In this series, we invite you to join our future selves as we reflect and comment on the vegetation session from exactly a year ago, where we named the sacred practice of vegetation. This podcast was born out of our meditation practice together, which we record without censoring ourselves in any way. Side note, F-bombs will be dropped. Then later, we come back to comment on what our past selves had going on. To take you on this time machine journey with us, we have used tonal sound cues to guide us through. When you hear ascending tones, we are traveling into the future and descending tones take us back to the past. This week's episode, Ni de aquí, ni de allá, which means not from here or there, begins the series with an exploration into what it was like growing up in the US as first generation children of immigrants we felt like we were consistently failing at cultivating a relationship with our ancestors, our parents' homelands, and our cultural heritage, while also being submersed in discomfort about never fully fitting into the American life around us. This experience of living in the in-between is not unique to us and is part of why we created vegetation. Join us as we reflect on some of our first attempts to create these connections while recognizing with love and empathy for our past selves that these connections have been here all along. And with that, let's dive in. Hi. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, oh, I was just practicing some of the breathing exercises that my oh, coach yeah. gave me yesterday while we were waiting. Yeah. So 
crazy to realize how disconnected I am from my grieving. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's been good. Yeah. I'm very grateful to be able to practice my grieving. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> I'm so happy like to be breathing. <laughs> Morning, going. Yeah, it's going well. It's so quiet. The kiddos are both totally asleep. I, you know, there's always the chance that Junior is going to wake up, but um, she had a really late night yesterday, so hopefully she'll get some of that sleep back. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But um, so yesterday I built my altar, and it just like super magically happened. Like <clears throat> on Sunday, I had my second meeting with the woke moms and um and it was just another like really beautiful and simple and powerful time i'm gonna pause here to explain what i'm talking about as far as the the woke moms um meeting (laughs) um so I am I'm part of an online group of moms of color, um, and we are folks who are um, very conscientious about how we're raising our kids in colonialism and um, white supremacy and all that stuff. And it's just like a safe place for us to be able to talk about stuff. And um, I, uh, as I had been starting to really reconnect with my lineage um, through my journey with reconnecting with yoga, um, I, I just, you know, put it out there. I had been hearing from some folks about their lineage stuff that they've been going through. And so I put it out there to the group, like, hey, do we want to do a circle where we just like come together and just talk about it? Like, you know, whatever that means whether you feel really connected to your lineage, whether you have a practice, you know, um, whether you have no connection or whether you'd like to have connection or whether you don't want to have a connection, you know, let's come together and have some chat. So we had a couple of meetings and, and chatted about it. And so that's what I'm referring to. Um, the chats were wonderful, of course, and, um, and that's all. I just wanted to give a little background uh, because it also makes it relevant um, about what happened after that chat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yesterday was my, my um, yoga practice for those moms. And um, the only one that came was, um, was Aparna. And I was like, I mean, do you want to just talk about the meeting? You know, the meeting, she came to both meetings. And so we talked about all kinds of stuff, but, and then randomly, like, not on the topic of, you know, ancestors, we were talking about clutter and like, anxieties around clutter and the energies and the sort of um, 
the sort of um, feedback loop that develops when it's like clutter makes you anxious and then the anxiety makes you not want to approach the clutter and like, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, it is. And then like, as soon as I, you know, not as soon as, but like, you know, after she and I, you know, got off our call, um, just very shortly after I just got this wild hair up my ass to like declutter, like to open up these boxes that have been closed forever, you know, like these moving boxes that we didn't open. And um, when we moved here and, you know, one of them was a box that we hadn't opened since we moved from San Diego to the Bay oh my Area. Gosh. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, what am I going to find in here? Like, it's not going to be anything useful. Like I've been going all this time without it. So of course, who needs it? You know, because this is what I think whenever there's boxes sitting around for so long, I'm like, just throw it out. Don't even open it, you know? <laughs> Anyways, I opened up, I opened it up and there's a picture of, um, me and my sister standing with my grandmother already in a frame. And, and I, and I saw that there's other frames below it and I picked it up and it was my, one of my aunt on my dad's side who had passed. And the next one was my aunt on my mom's side who had passed. And I realized like, these are all of these pictures that I had framed, um, when I was pregnant with baby T and I was like trying desperately to make a connection with the ancestors and I had no idea how to do it. And I was like, maybe if I just put their frames up on this, you know, bookshelf and like, you know, just do this and that. And, um, and I just wasn't feeling the connection, you know? Um, but I think it's cause I was afraid I was just doing it wrong or like I didn't have permission or something, you know, yeah. the yeah. stories that we tell ourselves. And, um, and yeah, it was just so magical and like, and I opened another box and it was all of these like just precious, um, you know, small objects that I had gotten when I was in India. Like um, there was, um, there were these two dried leaves in there. I picked it up and I was like, what? is this was this like this just like get in there by mistake and then I saw there were these two araka nuts with it and I realized that it was the um it was the beetle leaf and the araka nut that um like there's like a there's this little ritual where you hand a beetle leaf with an araka nut on it to somebody and it's um it's it's just a very like you know, magical and meaningful um, ritual that has to do with, um, with, you know, giving and receiving something that is extremely um, sacred and precious. And it was right before my engagement, my, my graduation from studying Carnatic music, where um, I, I, the graduate, the, the Arangetram is where you do a giant performance all by yourself. And, um, and my, one of my aunties who had passed was at that Arangetram. And it's the, it's like the most um, 
meaningful connection that ever happened between us because she's one of those many family members who I grew up not knowing in any way other than energetically because we didn't speak the same language. We didn't understand each other's words. Um, I don't know. There was just, it was just, do you want me to show it to you? Yes, please. (laughs) I've been waiting. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) You're like talking, talking, talking. Okay. No, but I'm like, yes, please tell me more. All right. I just wanted to stop right here because through I remember this conversation and how exciting it was when you were in you know, were on video. So you were showing me all of the or it, you were now going to be showing me all of the things that you're putting on your altar. Mm-hmm. And I really vibed when you were talking about what had kept you from this type of connection before when you were saying that that there may have been some fear or like, am I doing it right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I've struggled with for so long because I think later on in the conversation, we talk about it, but just growing up a person of color in the U S like, I remember being a kid and having so much shame around or discomfort around not being white or having these things like what you were talking about with this ritual of sharing, of somebody sharing these things with you and how important they are and meaningful and how growing up some of the traditions that I have in my Mexican cultural like household, feeling a little shame around it because it wasn't what I saw on TV or in the sitcoms, they were different rites of passage. They were different family structures. They were different ways of celebrating holidays. Like even something right even something like Christmas was, you know, you celebrated on uh, December 25th where in my family, it's like we celebrated on the 24th yeah. and even then feeling like, am I doing it wrong? Mm. And so uh, this whole conversation around just that connection or being finally like opening up yourself to your ancestors, it still sparks so much in me Yeah. or it brings up so many thoughts and so many different ideas about how I've, you know, not even lost opportunities, but just wishing it's like, oh, like everything is special. Like that these connections can be so small and seem so insignificant to these large offerings like an altar in your house. Yes, yes. And this also, you know, makes me think about um, the effect of being, you know, a person in between, like somebody who's nire aquí, nire allá. You know, for me, there's also still this amount of am I allowed to do this? You know what I mean? Like, I think about, I think about how, you know, when we would go to visit India, you know, um, everything looked so different, right? Culturally, the way, what I'm thinking about right now is the way that we decorate our homes. And I say decorate, that word doesn't accomplish what I'm trying to talk about. The way that we adorn our home 
and the reasons that we do it and why homes are even built the way they're built. You know, those are all things that I didn't receive information about until I was like a grown ass lady, like an adult, you know, um, I learned a lot when I went to go study because, um, you know, when you're going to visit, you don't have time for that shit. You know, nobody's like, I'm, I have like no, no adult in the normal world is going to be like, let me tell you about why homes are built this way. You know, <laughs> let me tell you about why this is why we hang paintings or pictures and, you know, what it's the reason significance is, right? But because of that, I also like when I think about, you know, wanting to hang things in this in the ways that my grandparents did and wanting to place things the way that they did. <clears throat> I still have these these this sort of imposter syndrome about it because it's not how I grew up, you know, and so I'm I'm constantly kind of like trying to both walk the line of balancing the multiple varieties of culture that I grew up in, and also trying to figure out how to reclaim all of it for me as a reflection of truly myself, you know, without, um, without doing it as, as a way of feeding the ego or hiding the self or putting something on just because I feel like it was lost instead of because it resonates deeply. Yeah. All of that makes a lot of sense to me. And earlier you said uh, you used the phrase nidaki, nidaya, mm -hmm. which means not from here or there. Yeah. <laughs> Being somewhere in the middle. And I think for a lot of folks who are first generation um, kids of immigrants growing up in the U.S. I think that regardless of where your parents come from, or even like parents of refugee, um, sorry, kids of refugees, like for any reason that folks are here, it's like being in this place where you are in the middle of culture. You're in the middle of all of it, and you're translating it. You're the liaison, and yet not feeling completely from one side or another. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what that phrase, um, speaks or that's how that phrase speaks to us. Yes. And, um, I think that's resonated with a lot of the work that we do. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then also I just need to say, um, as you're talking about the frames and the pictures, <laughs> a, vi a very vivid thing that came to me was the Selena song, Fotos y Recuerdos, which we'll put in the resource link. Yes. And it definitely vibes with, with everything that you're saying. Yes. So, oh so let's go back and see what else is on your altar. What yeah. else did you find in those boxes, Jamie? I don't know. We're about to find out. <laughs> let's do it. And now for a word from our first ever sponsor. Yes. So I first heard about Anchor from a dear friend and podcaster. What else did you find in those boxes, Jamie? I don't know. We're about to find out. Let's do it. Yes, please. Tell me more. I need to turn on more lights. It's so bright. Okay. So here it is. It's right oh. here. On, here's the mantle. Yes. And here it is. This is the order that they came out of the box. 
So this is me and Anji and my sister and my parents' house. Look at that tile and the wind, the mirrors behind it. It's hilarious. Wow. And that's my that's my auntie on my dad's side who um, who is at my Adangitram. This is my grandmother on my dad's mm -hmm. side who I'm named after. Um, <clears throat> this is my auntie on my mom's side who passed also from breast cancer. My two aunties who passed, um, they died from breast cancer. The lighting is weird here, sorry. Um, this is Blake's cousin uh, in the center who passed um, just a few years ago. And this is a picture of um, my dad's mom and her mom, who is also my namesake. Um, and everybody says that I look exactly like the two of them. And then this is my grandpa, my dad's dad, who came to me in that meditation to tell me to back off his mom. <laughs> <laughs> to stop assuming that my mom, that his mom is a bitch. Um, and then this is the... The beta leaves and the arica nut and the coins. Um, it's also like an offering. And um, they're these Indian coins. Oh. And this little incense thing showed up. And these two little, oh, oh, there's the other one. Um, they're called kumkum chips. They're these little tiny boxes that, um, that, you know, some some bindis, you know, are the stickers or a paint, but um, historically and still people, you know, sometimes use it. Um, they put it's a powder. It's colorful powders, and then you use it to make the or the mark or the bindi. Um, and oh my gosh, this other little story. So what sorry, what's in there? There's a tiny little panda in here. This this little panda was in one of the boxes too, oh, and um, okay. My niece, my sister's, my sister's daughter had given it to me when she was a little kiddo um, as a present. And um, and I just forgotten all about it. And then, you know, when I was taking the stuff out, you know, of course, Junior was like, oh my gosh, you know, what is that? It's so cute though. And I, so I said, okay, well, you and baby G can play with it. You know, um, it's I'm going to keep it because it's from... Chechi is what we call her because she's a big sister. She's big sister to my kiddos. And, um, and, and I was like, you know, you guys can use it, but you know, it's still mine. And, um, and then like, you know, shortly thereafter, you know, I, I'm putting the Kungumichep back, that little box back on the shelf. And I open it up and I'm like, oh, the panda's stuck in here. And I hear Junior call out, oh yeah, baby, she stuck it in there. Can you get it out? And I was like, I tried to, and I was like, no, it's not really coming out. And she was, no, get it out, get it out. I want to play with it. I want to play with it with my calico critters. And she's like, sounded kind of desperate. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll try and get it out. And it's just not coming out. And I was like, listen, like, I, if I try to harder to get it out, it's going to break. I think this is just an offering now for the grandsisters. She was like, no, no, get it out. It wasn't baby G, it was me. I'm the one that stuck it in there. 
And I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like, I can't get it out. It's okay that you stuck it in there, but it's, you oh. know, it's pretty clear that it's an offering to the ancestors. Oh she was just God. like not having it. But, you know, oh. something that I noticed and talked to her about was, you know, it really feels like it's supposed to be there because Chechi gave it to me and she's a Chechi. And I am a Chechi. Like we're the oldest sister, you know, but even just being an older sister is, is a Chechi. So, you know, Chechi gave it to me. I am a Chechi. Junior is a Chechi. She's the one that stuck it in there. And every woman on that altar is a Chechi. <laughs> I was like, this, this is like serious Chechi power here. Like we just need to leave. She's still like not okay with it. She was crying about it last night. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, and then those the those long things up at the end that's in that oh, yeah. long in that bottle. Those are um the dried uh the dried fruit of a of a um of something that we eat in India in Kerala also. This is from my mom's tree that she has in her yard and she gave it to me so I could take the seeds to plant this year. So I dried it, I kept the seeds and this is the, the rest of it. And it just is like this amazing, just beautiful fruit, vegetable fruit. It's technically it's a fruit, but it's, we eat it as a vegetable. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And just the way that it's all coming together where is your front door can you just point to the direction yeah. where your front door is it's okay yeah interesting it's, yeah well this is the back of the house uh well yeah obviously the front door right yeah it's it's over there behind you behind me. I think oh I can't quite remember but I think like of your Badwa map, I think that's your family center, but I can't, or like if you just do like the, oh. the three by three, I'm just trying to figure out like what energy source of your house that was in. Oh, interesting. You know what? That's right. I should look at, um, I should look at the Vastu Shastra. So like um, in Indian philosophy, there's like a whole philosophy about where to place things and the energies of of the home and house and everything like that. And I don't remember where it is, but I think it's, I think this is on the wrong side of the house for that. I think it's, uh, I think it's supposed to be like in the, um, on the south side or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not, maybe it is the Northeast. Anyways, I know that this is the, this is the, either just east or it's really like for the house it's like northeast i think i would like to stop us there mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask you how is the altar is the altar still up in your house it is it is up there's been things that have been added to it things that have been taken away um just rituals that have organically emerged and receded you know it's it's like a living space just 
just like life is a living space you know what I mean um but yeah all these beautiful moments with it it has been um a space of comfort from grief and from some of the you know sort of um tragedies that we've lived through in this time of covid um, and uh, the Northeast is the exact right place for an altar in Vastu Shastra, in the Indian science of building houses, decorating houses, um, using space. And I think I want to have a, 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 a mental picture for folks because this altar is on your fireplace mantle. Yeah, yeah. It is. At first, it was just in the northeast corner. So the fireplace mantle runs from approximately north to south along the wall of the house, along the fireplace, you know. And um, it all of this started on the northern end of it. And it's on the east side of the house. Um, and uh, so that's where all the photos were, all the pictures and the kumkum chips and, um, you know, all those other little treasures that I found. Um, oh, and I'll mention also that the, um, the fruit that I was talking about, the husks of which were on there, it's from um, the muringya, it's a muringya fruit. And that is what is now called in the West moringa and is thought of as like a superfood and, and all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's, what's there. And, um, so that altar expanded now it takes, a, it's, it's all sprawled across the entire mantle. Like <laughs> the mantle is like, it's like six feet long at least. And so it went from like, you know, maybe like two or three feet of more like maybe two, like two feet, maybe 18 inches of space um, to just all the way across and has acquired, you know, various deities and offerings. And, and we have added also um, baby photos because as my connection with uh, the ancestors has grown, it has come to include our baby selves and future selves that have yet to be here, born, you know what I mean? All that stuff. Um, and yeah, now we have altars all over the house. And I think we might talk about this later in this episode, I can't remember. Um, but our gardens are altars for us. So, so yeah, we now have Morinia trees. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah and I think it's a beautiful example of what an altar can be and yeah. I think altars or offerings or connections to ancestors can look so differently for people mm -hmm. depending on space depending on what type of connection whether it's you know beginning the connection or exploring connection whether it's with ancestors or the self it, it could, it's just personal to what folks need. It could be a vision board. Yeah. It could be a series of pictures. It could be a vase of flowers. It could be a plant or a potted 
you know, whatever. It could be food, a, a tree. Right. And for us, it's really been transforming because in our house, our altar sits on our kitchen island. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the heart of the house and there's different things for us. Um, One of the things that I've been doing since uh, working with Moon Chola, and we'll put a link to her in the, in, in, in the resource, we were talking about making offerings. So one of the things that I've been doing is making sure that there's water and whenever there's food, or if I feel called to, I'll share food Mm -hmm. with my ancestors or whomever is there with us at that time. Um, We've also ended up with paint brushes there or pens, um, signs that one of my other really good friends gave me that says, you, you know, love is all you need. All you need is love. Like, little things that have called to us, pieces of paper, um, photos, like it's really like an ongoing exchange that changes on a daily or a weekly basis. And it's really cool because it's where we eat or not all of our meals, but where we tend to eat and gather. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really interesting. And um, but it's small, there's cacao pods on, you know, on there or one pod, um, rose petals, but then, you know, they kind of switch in and out. So it's a little bit more, um, I don't know, it's like an ebb and flow almost there for us. And, but it's small, it's a tiny one. We'll put some pictures in there too. We'll share some pictures and I'd love to see other folks, you know, the altars that they've created, um, for their, you know, for their family or connection to ancestors or faith, whatever it is for them. Um, I think I have some Virgen de Guadalupe candles as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's brought me peace. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We also have, um, a movable altar. So we basically, we have this big flat fruit bowl and um so what we did last fall is um babies in the background what we did last fall is um whenever the kiddos would go out on a walk or when we were working in the garden if anybody found something interesting right something that resonated they could come in and put it on that little altar and we could move it around so we would have it on the table and then if we don't have enough space on the table for this right now we could move it to you know another area and they can reach it so they can put in whatever they want and move things around and you know we bring in some of our our little pieces of the harvest or you know a cool rock that somebody found on a walk and things like that. Yeah. There's not really any rules, right? It's one of those things that it's all a matter of your intention. And there are like, I understand that there's some philosophies too, that are very, you know, that do have um, theories or that there are ways of, or not, not ways, but that there are quote unquote rules for it, right? Like you should have a white candle. You should have these elements. You should have feathers. You should have this. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there's like those schools of thought. And I think that people can find what works for them right. and what works for their connection. And there is no right or wrong way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, it makes you, me yeah. You feel out that connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I feel like there are as many religions as there are people, you know, like 
things are so individual to us, regardless of the religions that we follow. And, you know, and I think for me, it feels really powerful to go into my lineage and look at, you know, what has been done since time immemorial and wanting to bring those parts that resonate with me into my practice or into this, you know, that kind of space. And also, I like to be really open to what comes, you know. Um, I think a pivotal thing for me related to altars, I was, um, I'll put it again, I'll put it in the notes. It's an Instagram account and it's this, um, it was a video about um, how to create like a beautiful Mayan altar. Mm -hmm. And I've just been learning about my ancestral heritage and I didn't realize how much of it actually came from. I'm very much connected to Southern Mexico and, um, the peninsula, like the Cancun peninsula and like, um, Guatemala. So a lot of like Mayan influence Mm -hmm. and there was this, this man, and he was talking about the pieces and the elements that would make up an altar because they're, they're, they're intricate and beautiful. And he was saying, you create a compass, North, East, Southwest, you should have you know, feathers and and rocks and all of these different elements. And what he was, what he ended up saying was, you don't need anything as long as your intentions are there Mm -hmm. and you don't even need to speak it like spirit or the universe doesn't speak one specific language. You can say it in your head. You can imagine that these things are there and that you are doing it with like intention and consistency. And that is all that matters. So it could look intricate and beautiful, or it could be in your, in your mind. Yes. And you can intend, like you could just imagine it. And that if that's your intention is to connect, then you have connected. Right. Right. Yes. <clears throat> this is also making me think about how um, uh, in vegetation, when we go into the quiet place, you know, I won't say silent place, but the quiet place, you know, um, somewhat recently within the past several months, something that has been happening for me a lot in um, when I'm connecting with my grandsisters when I'm in, and is these tiny versions of them coming down and like walking all over my body, different parts of my body or sitting on my back or things like that where, and as we're talking about this, it's making me think about the body as an altar, you know, and the ways that that can emerge. And um, and as I'm saying this, I'm also thinking about the ways that we adorn with, you know, body art, you know, ink, um, piercings, you know, yeah. um, the jewels that we or the jewelry that we decide to put on on any given day, you know, the clothes that we decide to wear um, and what they connect to for us, you know, yep. the body as an altar. Yeah. It's a beautiful image. Go back in. Yes, yes. Okay. And I'm hearing some, the sounds of adult feet on the footsteps above me, as are on the stairs above me. So I think that it might be getting to a time where I'm going to need to feed children 
in okay. a moment. Yep. Um, but let's keep on going and see where the natural pause happens, you know? Okay. Or the unnatural blood curdling scream of a child. <laughs> All right. <laughs> In this episode, we shared our experiences with creating personalized altars as a way of exploring our connections within the ancestral web. It's still hard to shake the feeling of not belonging fully to a certain people, place, or culture, but we are now working on reclaiming our cultural heritage from everything that has touched us. Our ancestral heritages as well as all of the cultures that have influenced us as children of immigrants, from the blessings and oppression of life in the U.S. to the energies of generations of Indigenous people in the colonized lands we lived on. We are giving ourselves the permission to recognize the magic and the wounding of all of these cultures that have impacted who we are. And we've shifted our priorities. Instead of trying to belong to a people, place, or culture, we are practicing being fully integrated selves in our bodies, witnessing that all of our experiences have created the work of art that is us in this body. This approach allows us to understand that we have always belonged in every aspect of our lineage and helps us move with respect, safety, and integrity in the homelands and cultures of others. Before we close the space together, we want to remind you that we'd love to remain in community with you here and in the Digital Village, whether that's through following this podcast or joining our email list at theravadayoga.com. And if you'd like to practice vegetation with Jamie, that's me, head over to the website to book a private session with me or bring a close friend along who you'd like to develop your practice with. We also want to thank you for listening to us. Thank you for being part of this movement to create connection to each other through connection with ourselves. And thank you for taking a moment to be self-centered with us. All right. Let's take a moment to close the space together. If you're driving, please stay in your thinking brain rather than moving into more focus on our words right now. So let's start by letting go of the concepts of time and space as we have been taught in school and allow ourselves the possibility of being energetically linked in this moment to us and the whole vegetation community. We invite you to breathe with us, inhaling the harvest, gathering up what you'd like to take with you from this space. On our exhales, releasing what's ready to be composted, what doesn't serve you, letting it be recycled into the energies of the universe. Now on our inhales, inviting gratitude for the hands and hearts, including your own, that allowed you to have this moment with yourself. And on our exhales, releasing any judgment or anxiety around creating this space for yourself. 
On your next inhale, we offer our gratitude for sharing space, time, and attention. And exhaling as slowly as you desire, witnessing your own magic in action, slowing your heart rate and soothing your nervous system, tethering yourself to the place within you as we make our way back to the bustle of life. Now one more breath together in your own time as you connect with your own intention as we close the space together, releasing it on our next exhale with a snap if you wish. Looking forward to bending space and time with you again. Take care. <laughs>